Hello and welcome to another episode of NICE Talks. I'm Matthew Brown, a member of NICE's media team. In this episode, we're going to be talking about NICE's evidence standard framework for digital health technologies. Working alongside system partners, we produced the framework for the developers and adopters of digital health technologies. It provides them with the information to ensure new technologies are clinically effective and offer economic value. We'll be talking to Mark Salmon, a Programme Director in the Science, Evidence and Analytics Directorate at NICE, and by Andrew Davies, the Digital Health Lead at the Association of British Health Tech Industries. Thank you both for joining. Mark, my first question is to you. Can you just give us an overview of what the Evidence Standard Framework is, please? The Evidence Standards Framework for Digital Health Technologies produced by NICE set out the standards, the levels of evidence we expect to see developers producing in order to inform decision makers in the NHS about whether or not they wish to to procure or invest or buy those technologies. They become a reference point, I think, for a lot of agencies across the system that are involved uh, evaluating, procuring, uh, supporting the adoption of digital health technologies. A single reference point that everyone can point to. And that's really important because innovators, when they're thinking about developing their technologies, can build those evidence requirements in to their build processes. If they know what the NHS is going to be looking for in terms of that demonstration of clinical evidence and value, it's not the same levels of evidence we're looking for for all types of digital health technologies. We've developed a risk functional classification within it so that the level of evidence we're asking for is proportionate to the type of technology under consideration. So the less risky the technology, the less evidence. So that's broadly what it is. And as an evidence framework, it sits alongside other standards produced by other agencies like the MHRA on safety or information commissioners advice on information governance. So it plays its part in the system in terms of what NICE does, evidence of clinical effectiveness and value. Thank you. And Mark, sticking with you for the next question. Developers and adopters of digital health technologies are the primary audience for the evidence standard framework, but there are different categories of digital health technologies. Which are the ones which NICE are most interested in? Yes, there are. And within the framework, we generally call those TSC technologies, which are about treating and diagnosing. So NICE is interested in technologies that inform clinical management, or drive clinical management, that treat specific conditions or diagnose specific conditions, or that use calculators that inform clinical decision-making. So they're the most risky technologies. They're the ones that NICE generally are interested in and they're TSC. But the framework's broader than that. We try to encapsulate other technologies within it too. In fact, we tried to encapsulate a framework which would cover all of the technologies that are presenting themselves to the NHS. So they include tier B technologies, which are about communicating, simple monitoring, promoting good health, information apps and technologies in that space, well-being, fitness wearables, health diaries, those sorts of things. They're tier B, slightly lower level of evidence than tier C. And then in tier A, we have system services. These are technologies that don't have any measurable health or care outcomes. They're about 
efficiencies in the system making the ward run more effectively or efficiently but they're not about healthcare outcomes directly they're tier a technologies which require a different level of evidence again so that's how we've constructed it and turning to you andrew nice has drawn together experts in the field to advise on the framework including those from your association the association of british health tech industries how beneficial has this collaborative working been it's been hugely beneficial. There's really two key aspects to that. Firstly, of course, as industry are the recipients, the end users of this framework, they're the people who have to develop the evidence base against those standards. Really welcome that we have the opportunity to present the views of industry in the formation of the framework. And also because we have quite a diverse industry, uh, it's a heterogeneous sector, it's really welcome to be able to put a range of views into the mix at an early stage. The second aspect of it is really uh, useful to understand the views of the other stakeholders in the system. The collaborative approach ensures we can really build a common understanding of the issues. And then the expertise and the experience around the table can really support the creation of practical, workable solutions. Thank you, Andrew. And to follow up on that, the digital health landscape is fast moving. Is it important for the industry to have clarity when it comes to what evidence and what type of evidence is needed for a digital health technology to be adopted by the NHS? The building of the evidence base is a really critical part of bringing a product to market. And what's more, it's also quite a costly part of the process. For a sector that's dominated by small and medium businesses, it's really crucial that you're developing the, the right evidence first time. You don't really want to be going back and having to regenerate new evidence at a later stage. Not only is that adding additional cost into the process, but it's also adding further time into the process. And that can be delaying potentially life-changing technologies from reaching patients as early as possible. So therefore, your clarity and consistency are really vital. The other element is about knowing any different uh, evidence requirements between different sectors, different technology types and or different assessment processes. And these really need to be clearly demarcated. A tiered approach like the evidence standards framework really helps provide this clarity. And turning back to you, Mark, we're already seeing some exciting digital health technologies being notified to NICE. As part of NICE's five-year strategy, the Office of Digital Health has recently launched. Can you explain how NICE is helping the developers of promising technologies? We're certainly trying to look ahead to where we might be in the future, and we're working probably more closely with the regulator, the MHRA, than we've done previously on digital health technologies, particularly as the new regulatory processes unfold. So we're trying to stay close to that and look for opportunities for how we can work closer together, NICE and MHRA to look at how we can, can bring through really important technology, identify it and bring it through the system to patients as rapidly as we can. Is there anything we can do jointly? It's part of working in the environment of digital health is you just can't operate on your own. So we've got multi-agency approaches evolving, thinking about how we can better explain a joined up regulatory environment to the innovators. I mean, how must it look to them? We're trying to make the advice that we give across the agencies more joined up, clearer and more helpful. More practically, 
I think really looking at whether or not the products NICE produces are fit for purpose for digital health technologies, if there's any sort of process and methods development that we need to be thinking about. And we think there are new product lines which are more supportive of a market which is developing evidence base rather than assuming the evidence is there and asking for the evidence to be there before we do the evaluations. It's acting at a much earlier point. You're recognising plausible promise in a technology and maybe helping more to set out the evidence collection framework that we would suggest for that technology as a product. So trying to outline plausible promise and give advice on evidence generation rather than looking to uh, evaluate the evidence once it's been completed. And thinking about the changes in the way evidence is presented to us. It's not an environment where you can expect randomised controlled clinical trials to be prevalent. Data is being collected in these technologies and we have to think much more about how we can utilise that real world data as part of our evaluation processes. We'll be consulting on, on a real world data framework about April 2022. And switching to you now, Andrew, can you highlight the challenges for the industry in showing the value of digital health technologies and how can this be addressed? Certainly, there, there is currently you know, some confusion between some of the different regulatory regimes, particularly around data. So we really welcome a multi-agency approach to dealing with digital health technologies and a joined up regulatory environment. And we don't really need to change regulation as such. I, th- I think you know, we can do a lot by better guidance about uh, how the regulations should apply and which apply in which circumstances. So you know, these should be things that we can fix quite easily, given the will. The other element is speed of approvals. This has been an issue ongoing, really, for health technology, uh, not just digital health. We've seen in the past where before a a product's been approved, version 2 is already out on the market. This is a a sort of scenario I can see cropping up more and more with digital technologies, which have an even faster turnaround cycle in terms of product updates. So having a very quick approval process is really going to be important, both from the developer's point of view, so they can go through the process once and not have to repeat as they bring out a new product, but also to give the assurance into the market of what's been through an approval and assessment process. One of the other challenges is around access to data. And again, I think it's something that could be addressed through some central guidance and uh, central templates on how you can go about these sorts of things. Understand uh, you know, the governance needs to be on that local basis because of you know, who is the, uh, the data controller, etc. But a, a more templated approach uh, could go a, a long way to, to support that. The other aspect about having the right environment where new technologies can be tested, put into the market, trialled, sandbox environment where you can collect the data, check the regulatory approach. We have some of these emerging, but it's quite limited in scope at the moment. And as digital health technologies become more prevalent, both in terms of being developed by innovators, but also being adopted within the system, we're going to need to really industrialise this sort of process. Uh, And lastly, I hope this is one that is almost in the process of being fixed. Many digital technologies are quite disruptive of existing pathways. And this can be quite a challenge where budgets and incentives are not aligned. So hopefully the introduction of things like the blended payment systems, which we've had for the last couple of years, the ICS is coming into legal standings, will be a big step towards taking a system approach 
and I would hope break down some of those siloed approaches between different organisations going across a care pathway. And Mark, the final question is to you. Work has been ongoing in updating the evidence standard framework since it was first published in 2019. Can you explain what the next version will be looking at and when a consultation on the contents is expected to take place? When you embark on producing something like the evidence standards framework, you know you're not going to be in it just as a, a one-off. It's a continuous update process, I think, from almost from when we published the first one back in 2019. And so I think it'll continue to iterate on a kind of 12, 18 month basis as the market evolves and as the industry evolves and as, as our knowledge evolves. At this point in time, we're giving it probably its first big refresh in terms of the way it's organised and designed, trying to make it much more accessible and easy to use. But on the sort of more technical side, we were asked specifically by NHS England to think about expanding the framework to fully incorporate data-driven technologies that have artificial intelligence embedded within them, specifically adaptive algorithms. When these technologies start to come through to the NHS, what kind of evidence are we going to need to demonstrate effectiveness and value? And those adaptive algorithms, they're continuously changing in situ and evolving. Um, some of the challenges Andrew was pointing to, we're trying to think about and resolve. We're very much focusing on that for this particular update. And as part of that, NICE has put in place an AI academic collaborative, bringing in skills from the academic community to supplement the skills that we've got at NICE. And so we're working with Imperial Birmingham University and the Turing Institute to try and think about some of these problems and give the best advice we can out to innovators in the system. We're consulting as part of an academic process at the minute, and we'll be looking to go to public consultation around April 2022. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nice Talks. If you've enjoyed this episode, please recommend it to a friend or colleague and click subscribe to keep up to date with our monthly podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram with the handle at NiceComs. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.